Hallelujah. Glory to God. I think the children all received the word. They can be released. This is a wonderful time. I never get tired of hearing that story of the birth of the Christ child. And it says in Luke chapter 2, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ, the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will be, you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And... Uh, Bonnie and I were blessed to be able to go with uh, some of our, well, all of our family to go see Handel's Messiah. Yeah, and it, it was um, the second or third or fourth time it used to be something that we tried to do as a family. Um, you know, just one of those things that typically or traditionally is celebrated at Christmas time, um, and it was it was interesting uh, for a couple of reasons. One of the things that was kind of weird was to see this huge chorus of people standing up singing with masks on their faces. And, it, it, you know, it just strikes you again of, huh, <laughs> kind of a thing. And then, you know, to look beyond and see the whole audience likewise. Um, but at the end of the whole um, concert, of the whole presentation, to have the entire audience jump to their feet and just be shouting and clapping and and it was it was obviously more than just uh, for the performance for the music there was something in the air that was responding to the fact that in reality the entire piece is simply phrases from scripture um one after the other, and it 
it uh, gave us an opportunity to look again at the miracle of the gospel and the power of the word of God and this particular traditional Christmas uh, event that is the telling of the gospel story set to music. Um, interesting, his, interestingly, historically, the, the word brought redemption and salvation and healing and reviving to uh, Handel, who wrote the music for it. Um, and it was, it was through a friend of his that was a very wealthy heir uh, fellow, uh, a, a contemporary at that time, uh, at a time when music was very politicized. It was really interesting. There was a sharp divide between sacred and secular uh, music and performances and places that, you know, sacred music was performed and the different kinds of secular music that was very politicized. And in those days, artists typically had, in order to do their craft and uh, survive and eat and all of that, they had patrons. And of course, the more influential your patron was, the better off you were. But you could also fall in and out of political favor really quickly. Um, never mind the reception by the general public of the, the particular art or pieces that you were producing. And Handel, who was German, was um, uh, in favor with George of Hanover, who became King George of the infamous in the American Revolution. So it's, it's interesting that the whole time period that this particular um, piece was written and begun to be performed was just in advance of, shortly in advance of the American Revolution. But um, this friend of Handel's named Jennings was a librettist, librettist, I guess, librettist, libretto, librettist. In other words, he wrote texts for pieces of music. And um, Handel had suffered a stroke. His music had, particular styles of music had fallen out of favor. Um, he was on the edge of verge of bankruptcy. There were threats of him actually being thrown in debtor's prison and all kinds of things. And um, he was pretty much in despair. And his, friends, his friend Jennings wrote to a friend of his in 1741, Handel says he will do nothing next winter, but I hope I shall persuade him to set another scripture collection I have made for him and perform it for his own benefit in Passion Week. So it was originally written for Easter, but there was a lot of Easter music at the time anyway. Jennings goes on to say, I hope he will lay out his whole genius and skill upon it and that the composition may excel all his former compositions as the subject excels every other subject. The subject is Messiah. And um, if you're familiar, uh, you know, at all, and most of us have, you know, we've heard it in, in, and may not even realize we hear it so much at Christmas that we're familiar with these pieces, but it starts with Isaiah 40, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. I was thinking even this morning for Kentucky, um, 
the, the word of the Lord still stands. All flesh is grass, the flower fades, the grass fails, but the word of the Lord still stands and goes forth. And in this particular tradition, starting with Isaiah 40, comfort my people, every valley will be exalted. Of, um, and then from Isaiah 7, a virgin will conceive. And of course, you know, through the whole piece, um, going through the death and resurrection of Jesus to the crescendo of the hallelujah chorus and that, you know, oratorio at the end where the, the chorus is singing amen, amen, amen to Revelation 19, Revelation 5, Revelation 11, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And so it, it, the piece itself is a, a powerful presentation um, of the gospel. And um, miraculously, perhaps, when the text was delivered to handle, he went into his room and he wrote this piece, 295 pages, I think, of, of the actual musical script. Um, he wrote it in 24 days. And his servant was reported as having observed him hardly sleeping, eating, or drinking during that time period. And at a certain point, um, when the servant came to deliver handle his supper, he found the man weeping, and he had just finished the part that is famously known as the Hallelujah Chorus, and Handel told his servant that heaven had opened, and he had seen the Lord, and he, he was weeping. So he had an epiphany, and, and then, of course, there was a great revival in his own life and his art and, and all of that um, as, a, as a result of this. He, he would have had to have write, Michael, you'll appreciate this. Um, Armand, you guys will appreciate it. He, in order to have produced this particular piece of music with all of the notes in it, right, um, he would have had to write a note every four seconds mm -hmm. for those 24 days, if you can imagine, creating this musical piece that has lasted and has become a a tradition of the celebration of this time of year, uh, of, of Christmas. But it was first years ago, after one of the other times that we saw the Messiah, I, you know, was looking into just the history around it and the story of Handel and various other things. And I found a photocopy of the original newspaper announcement, um, which actually Handel because he had kind of fallen out of favor and there was a big controversy about whether or not you could perform sacred music in a regular secular theater. A lot of the religious people were saying that was blasphemous and so on and so forth. And so he wisely performed it first in Dublin, Ireland. And the newspaper um, that announced it said, let me see, and I have it here. It, it says, um, it's from Faulkner's Journal in Dublin on March 23rd um, to the 27th. We have a, a living creature that has come to um, be with us. <laughs> he was trying to hear the gospel. Maybe he had a gift. 
<laughs> Sorry, my mind just went in it wrong direction. Anyway, this is what the newspaper said. For relief of the prisoners in the several gales, which were um, like debtors' prisons, and for the support of Mercer's Hospital in Stevens Street and of the charitable infirmary of the Innsquay on Monday the 12th of April will be performed at the Musical Hall in Fishamble Street, Mr. Handel's new grand oratorio called The Messiah, in which the gentlemen of the choirs of both cathedrals will assist with some concertos on the organ by Mr. Handel. And so Handel himself actually performed it at first, and it was a fundraiser for charity for people, infirm people from debtors' prisons and a foundling hospital. And that element is the thing that actually made it a vehicle accepted into the wider London society and patronage, and then it, you know, it began to grow and become popular. And so it, it began in Dublin. Began in Dublin as a, as a fundraiser for charity at Easter time. Interesting. With Handel himself doing all of the, you know, all, um, all of the organ music. And you realize that this time when this was happening, it's the season was a somewhat different that the clergymen, especially the Anglican bishops, yeah. were very, very influential. Yeah. And they could have shut down what Handel was doing. So uh, I'm glad that the time was right. And there was a kind of grace over this music that is quite supernatural, I believe, that it was that God was with him for 24 days. He was, uh, the way they describe it, I don't know whether they had the language, but it was like he was, the glory of the Lord came over him. Which him in his original piece in the manuscript, he notes across the top of it, for God alone, the glory. Yeah, yeah. The, the true or fear the of the glory. Lord. Yeah, to but God he barely, alone, the glory. barely he ate. That yeah. His servant yeah. would come with meals and all that, and he would often, he would be concerned because he wouldn't drink or eat most of the times as he wrote this uh, oratorio, the music, and then you are astounded as you look at it. Now, I had the opportunity to look at the script of it, and it's, it's all scripture, that's all, for two, almost two and a half hours. It's scripture from different, and it's so anointed, and it tells the story in the most magnificent way. Yeah, it begins with the birth, the first part. The second part is the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then the third part is the great crescendo, mostly from the book of Revelation. Um, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. It's very powerful. And, you know, Pastor Mahesh, on Friday, you, uh, we were remembering the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. 80th. Yeah, the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And you reminded us of uh, another powerful story of redemption. Um, yeah, scripture one of the says that, that the Lord brings beauty out of ashes. And you know, thinking this morning about the families in Kentucky and those regions, thinking about the 
the weight of devastation and still the worry that is dragging on so many people about the uh, bizarre scenario of COVID for these last two years. It seems that at this Christmas time, the Holy Spirit is determined to give everyone who will receive it a fresh breath of resuscitation, of refreshing, of hope, of literal joy and expectation of the good. And one of the stories that you brought up, and we actually pulled up a picture of um, Jacob DeShazer and uh, Mitsuo, uh, what was his name? Fuchida. Fuchida. Yeah, Mitsuo Fuchida. These were two guys that were mortal enemies in the conflict surrounding, the, in fact, there they are, surrounding Pearl Harbor so and the, the, the Japanese gentleman. He's the leader who led about 200 planes from the aircraft carriers of the Japanese that attacked Pearl Harbor and resulting in about 2,400 who were killed. And it was a surprise attack, Pearl Harbor. And uh, so they... And you told the story about what happened in Mr. DeShazer's life with yeah, the gospel. That FDR of Roosevelt really felt, and his advisors also told him, America has to do something. We cannot just take this lying down. So Jimmy Doolittle uh, eventually, but he was the leader who was assigned by FDR to lead an attack on the Japanese coastline. And among, there were not that many planes that they could take off from carriers off the coast of Japan. But he led a group of people and among them was this Jacob uh, Shazar. 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 And then he was captured, really suffered in the Japanese uh, prison system. But it just made him love the Lord and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And so, and then felt called to minister to the people as soon as the war ended to minister in Japan and preach salvation. And his testimony was written down and it was like a booklet. And this Fuchida, who was probably the premier pilot in Japan, read this little testimony and the glory of the Lord fell upon him and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And became a great spokesman for the Lord, his glory. And at the same time was this Joseph... Uh, Jacob? Jacob, Jacob de Shaz de Shaz yeah. uh, was preaching. So they ended up on the same pulpit, uh, yeah. sharing the pulpit. And that's where they met. As friends. And, that, and uh, became like brothers because uh, the Lord had come in both of their lives. And, and, you know, what, what a, a picture, uh, even of Hebrews 5. Though he were a son, speaking of Jesus, though he were a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered and became the author of eternal salvation for everyone 
who believes in him. And I, I think that part of the, the inbreathing of the Holy Spirit at this particular time is to breathe into the places that have been devastated over this recent season around the world, but particularly now for America, for the church, the places that have burned down, if you will, where it seems that there are ashes from the adverse events and effects and, I mean, and even death. The ultimate message of Christmas is that death does not have the last word. And in all of that, everything else must get in line and we must allow it to get in line in our lives, really, in order to walk in what is the spirit of Christmas, which is joy and peace. And as Isaiah says, and as the Messiah handles Messiah, comfort ye, comfort my people. Um, Say your warfare has ended. One of the significant words, which I feel like the, the, some of these are resonating in the glory. And the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. For us who believe. Uh, and among those taking some part in the scenario that we call Christmas is the angels who bring the word of the Lord. They, they themselves don't create the word, but they are emissaries. God has appointed them, and they are very faithful. And so they come, they have also they have announced the birth of Jesus to Mary. It was assigned to an angel to bring the word. You are blessed. You are going to be with child. And you are among the most favored of women because you will give birth to this one who will save the whole, basically everyone on earth. And then it comes to the shepherds. And one of the chief words to the shepherds is do not be afraid because this thing, the event, could terrify them unless the Lord, whatever the Lord, when he gives the word, he gives the grace for you to experience that word. So he says, do not be afraid. And so in some of these great events, like even today, I would say that one of the main symptoms they say among the kids over well, to many regions, they have to put, even on five-year-olds' masks, and they've tried to terrify the families, tried to terrify the, uh, the little kids. And many of the situations makes very little sense, except that the dark powers, spirits of evil spirits, really have tried to make people anxious, and be afraid. And so the word of that angel would also be very much anointed for you, for me, for all of us. God is saying to you, do not be afraid. And part of the reason is, I'm with you. And he says it again and again in scripture, do not be afraid. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
I am there leading you. So in this season of mask, no mask, uh, mandate, no mandate, and the, and the courts are there as part of the uh, chorus. I don't know whether they're wearing masks or not, but anyway. Uh, but the angels are very much involved with us even, I felt, uh, last Friday. Uh, one, uh, one of our main intercessors said there's felt angels all around. And I really confirmed what we were sensing. But angels, we've got to take note. It says in Nehemiah, for example, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host. And the host of heaven worships you, worships the Lord. The, we only worship God. So the angels are created. The host of heaven has been created by God. And they worship the living God. And uh, be good for us, to, therefore, to kind of examine uh, that they're there, they're with us. And especially when you have raising up children, you'll find that often angelic presence is there to bless you, to rescue your children. And there are the cherubim, they, are, they guard the entrance. They used to guard the entrance to the Garden of Eden. And uh, then God is enthroned above the cherubim, it says in Ezekiel chapter 10. And Psalm 18 says, God rides them, the cherubim. And so to, there are two golden figures of cherubims uh, upon, around, around the Ark of the Covenant. Then there are the seraphims, and you find them in Isaiah. They are a type of angel. And I'll only mention once in the Bible, they appear in Isaiah chapter 6, and they, they are figured as the one who continually are worshiping the Lord and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. So, it's fun that the, when a lot of the stuff involved with goal, uh, of glory is the angelic beings that emanate the glory of the Lord. And I like the season. Christmas is a time for more glory than ever before. The glory is shining forth. Do not be afraid. And yeah. then suddenly the heavenly host joined them and Glorified the well, Lord wherever, Jesus. wherever we can see, and specifically in Scripture, for instance, wherever we can see angelic activity and what they're saying, they are actually seeing the unseen spiritual reality that we may not be able to see with our natural eyes. So, you know, even thinking about, for instance, when they appear to the shepherds, those angels were also present when those other angels decided to get involved in that sort of original political campaign and, you know, go with Lucifer to rebel against the Lord. And so now you see this, 
their jubilation over the fact that finally the plan of God to undo the havoc and devastation that has been wrought in the earth and in creation and in the human race by the works of the devil, frankly. Um, but you see the rejoicing of these angels over what this event, the birth of this baby means and is going to mean in the, you know, the coming uh, days and seasons in terms of the victorious glory of God and, and his accomplishments. And then, of course, you think about in John's revelation, and like you said, Pastor Mahesh, the, the continual crying of holy, 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 but now it's the Lord God omnipotent reigns, and it is the culmination of everything, and angels are witness to the realities and therefore, their song is one of do not be afraid, rejoice, peace on earth, you know, good tidings, glad tidings of great joy. Yeah, and for centuries, the coming of the Messiah was prophesied. Yeah. And it will happen in Bethlehem. And it will be in this way. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But these were prophetic words given centuries before the birth of the Messiah. So they're looking forward to it. And I believe it's totally appropriate that they make a big to-do about Christmas. Funny thing is that I grew up in <laughs> Kenya, in Africa. And yet Christmas was a major event. And they would have all kinds of decorations on the, some of the main streets. And then uh, I would hear and see also later after the television reporting that even nations that did not have, they barely had, you know, uh, about a two to four or five million people in a population of almost about 800 to a billion people. This was not a big amount, but and yet, Almost every street in India, for example, is decorated with Christmas. Christmas is covered. So it's somewhat strange, but how the nations respond uh, yeah. to the good news yeah. that Jesus Christ child has come. <laughs> he is the Messiah. And, uh, and very much involved with that is the angelic presence. So... Uh, it says in uh, Deuteronomy 33, for example, on Mount Sinai, God came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. So, again, we find in Psalm 68, the chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. So, when we talk about angels it's like an innumerable company it's almost like you can't count them there are so many of them so that should comfort you that you are not bankrupting god asking for help <laughs> there is an innumerable company of angels yeah. that are ready to help us so 
I'm going to read you the lyrics of the culmination of Handel's Messiah. 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it goes on. Romans 8. If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died, yea, rather, is risen again. Who is at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us and has redeemed us to God by the blood? Now he's moved to Revelation 5. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Blessing and honor, glory and power be unto him that sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And then the chorus comes in with amen, 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 amen. And it rises to the, you know, great crescendo. And then you have the whole audience down through the years, all 250 of them now on their feet at the end, applauding this good news that has just been proclaimed once again of the gospel of salvation. Yeah, and even at the beginning, it, it begins with what, um, it's all scripture. I'm so uh, impressed by that. that and it's uh, the first thing that said is, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Set your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and Thank cry you. unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Thank you, Jesus. That her iniquity is pardoned. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for Thank our you, God. Jesus. And then that beautiful in Isaiah 40, every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places made plain. And then for what? And, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, you, and all flesh shall see it, together for the mouth of the Lord had spoken it. Amen. So this is the word of our Lord. It's, and then as you see the heavenly scenario, it is every, Thank you. everyone is involved. The Lord is involved. The Lord, Jesus himself takes the form of a baby. 
and then all the angels are really involved and and if the priority is to see that the people are not in consternation they are not confused and so it really what really convicted us is how much how reflective it is of even the days we are living in mm-hmm. it is so strategic that the prophetic word and the yeah. scripture is coming in yeah. power for you and your children and yeah. god's interest is in comforting you yeah. strengthening you telling you do not become fearful i am with you my angelic horde hosts is with me and the word of the lord will be there it says in isaiah uh, all flesh is as grass the flower fades the grass the, fails the but grass the grass withers the but the grace the word of our lord will live forever and the lord has been emphasizing to us the reality of the spirit of god indwelling his church as the light the only light that there is in the world that is otherwise encompassed in darkness as scripture says the only light is the light of Christ the light of the gospel the living presence of God which we carry as living vessels which you carry as light in the world and the lord has been emphasizing to us to recognize that we have the prophetic voice and so let your imagination even during this christmas season be once again so filled in every moment with the reality that the living presence of christ is in you and with you that wherever you are you are light and you have a prophetic word to speak to every situation and so this morning we can turn to one another right now and say i speak comfort to you turn to one another i speak comfort to you amen comfort to you and i prophesy that every valley will be raised up every low place will be raised up come on say i prophesy to you that every valley will be raised up amen and every high obstacle every high opposition will be made low and the glory of the lord will be revealed and the word is the one that clarifies us that gives us brings forth light thank you jesus it says uh, for behold the darkness shall cover the earth <laughs> it's there in that oratorio and gross darkness the people but the lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee so there is a contrast darkness the enemy Thank may you, put Jesus. that darkness may put that fear may try to inculcate you, anxiety on you it is almost like a living thing but in the midst of it his glory is rising yeah. may it rise over each in each of your life yes in your home thank you hold on to the glory yes. and speak thank forth you, the glory and prophesy the glory yeah. don't let the darkness in any way define you don't let the fear define you so it is for that's why we i felt like this was a living word we had to mm-hmm. f- focus a little bit more but that as he had spoken before he's coming again 
to comfort his people yes. and speak in the darkness light, the glory light. Now, of course, I'm glad we have this light, but it's, <laughs> uh, it's nothing compared to the glory because yeah. it enlightens your soul and it gives you etern et eternity in its word. One of the, the tools of the enemy that has been trying to work against our souls over this last two years is isolation. The fear of gathering together, the fear of other human beings has been uh, infused into our conversation, our, our daily activity and stuff. And at, at this particular season, I I relay, related on Friday that I decided to go and take a little personal survey here in our city um, via the arts, via the movie theater, to just go and see what people were going to see and if they were going, if they were going out uh, here in our town. So I went, I went to one of our really nice theaters that's very populated typically so on and so forth and was there just to observe things and I, I told my journey um, the first thing I did is I bought a ticket for the C.S. Lewis movie where, which is basically a monologue of the writings and sayings of Lewis himself but they've presented it in a film with a character playing C.S. Lewis with um, you know, scenes from his childhood and various things. It's really well done, very interesting. And I, I love Lewis. I love his whole era. He and his inkling companions were such an amazing, redemptive and Christian force and light in a time of world war, um, so on and so forth in the past generation. But anyway, so I went, and there, there was only one other ticket buyer that was there, and I went, and... As the movie progressed along, and I was riveted by this thing, I happened to glance down at this other moviegoer whose phone light was reflecting on to uh, her face. And I sort of peeked over and looked. Can I tell you the woman was sitting there playing Candy Crush on her phone? And I said, now there's a contrast. You've got this opportunity for this amazing, heroic, inspiring of C.S. Lewis, it's called A Most Reluctant Convert. So he tells a story of how he went from being a young agnostic atheist, a difficult childhood, so on and so forth, to being captured by the gospel, specifically through some of the famous authors of the day, G.K. Chesterton being one of them, and how it captured his imagination. And ultimately, he was, he was led to the gospel. And, and it's quite dramatic and very well done, but <laughs> it's not necessary. We always have a choice, right? We always have a choice where to focus our attention. And I think that I probably benefited more from being in that darkened theater and what I was paying attention to than the um, individual that was playing Candy Crush the whole time. I was like, why'd you waste your money on, you know, on buying a ticket? But anyway, that was not the only uh, movie that I went to, I confess. But what I ended up doing is I ended up going into various theaters where different things were being shown in order just to kind of get, have an observation 
of, of contemporary things. And I have to tell you this in short, that um, there were at most 10 persons in any given presentation. Uh, the most of the audiences, the, the most in number of audiences, were in House of Gucci, and then young people in a docu-concert of one of these um, young boy bands uh, called Monster X, and there, there were about 10 kids in each of the two theaters that were showing that. But all the rest of them, there was one, maybe two people, um, until you came to the theater showing The Chosen and it had not an empty seat. Exactly. And there was exactly Christmas music, right? Exactly. The Chosen. How many of you are familiar with the television series of The Chosen that portrays the gospel? And th the story of that is so interesting. If you remember, the, the pastor who wrote it started with a simple film that he he made on his own farm at Christmas time about a shepherd in order to tell this story that we're telling again at Christmas time. And he showed this little film in his church, and it has become now, that little seed has become something that literally millions and millions of lives have been touched and transformed and encouraged, and it has revived the telling in the midst of our culture of the story of the gospel. But that theater, in spite of the popular boy bands and all of the other stuff, that story was the story that was absolutely packed out. So, indeed, light shines in the darkness. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is rising, rising on the church now more than ever before. Amen. So this is the time for us every time, in every generation, we have one the essential thing is that we have to exercise faith that God will not let us you, shirk Jesus. that responsibility. On behalf of others even, we have to have faith. And where there is no faith, we ourselves bring faith. And above all, faith in Jesus Christ. So, Say again, comfort. comfort. Say it again. Comfort. Say it again. Comfort. And just remember that wherever we go, the next few days especially, you are an emissary of good news. Comfort. Why? Because Jesus, in him, the warfare has ended. And life has triumphed over death. Justice over injustice. Victory over all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. And then it says there, part of the oratorio, if God is for us, who can be against us? And this, all of these words for me was appropriate for us to lay hold of it. It's in the Word of God. So say the Word of God. So you can rely on it. You can trust on it through the eternal ages. 
the word is the word. The, the flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of our God stands forever. Above all, the word. So here we at Christmas season again. Wherever you are, bring the light. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness well, cannot God. defeat it, cannot define it. It is only the glory and the light Thank you, that you bring forth. May we have a fresh, supernatural pipeline to the glory, each of you. And for us as the church, may we shine supernaturally in the midst of darkness. We're going to shine brighter and brighter. We'll be together. We are united, not divided. And these are important issues. That the closer we are, the more united we are, the brighter the light that shines in the midst of darkness. Believe me, darkness would try to define us and defeat us, but it's the supernatural light of God, the glory. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Blessing and anointing Peace. and healing and deliverance in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Bow our heads. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Thank you, Father, Thank you. that you're sending us your word of comfort. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. That we receive by faith your comfort, your strength for every family, every household. We, every father, every mother, every parent, every child, come, Holy Spirit. We release holy angels as part of our end-time army. We say, come, Lord Jesus. We bow before your majesty. Invade us in a mighty way, Lord. We invite you. Come into every heart, Lord, at this hour, this Christmas, that is good news to every person and every family. Thank you. Good tidings. Because our Savior is born in Bethlehem. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank Amen. You, Lord.